Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'tivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Veharevna Adonai Eloheinu et divrei Torateka, befinu ufi amka bet Yisrael, venie anaknu vedzaetzaenu vedzaetzae amka bet Yisrael. Kulanu yodea shemek avelom de Torateka lishma, baruch ata Adonai, hamlame Torah leamo Yisrael. Amen. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. May be soon in our days that we see the face of our Redeemer, Mashiach Yeshua, the one who is sent from Hashem, the extension of Hashem into this universe and the basically to go Kabbalistic, to escalate super quickly. He is the Or Ein Sof, the light of Ein Sof, the one who is without end, that ray of light that shines from this infinity that is our Mashiach, that is the Aleph Tav, that is the Torah. May it be soon that he is revealed. Mashiach ben David, the building of the Beit HaMikdash, coming out of exile. Amen. All of that. Okay, so this is still Parshat Bo, and I did not quite get through everything that I wanted to get to. So this is part two. Uh, so for the C class, I would like to just say this is recess. So... Anyway, uh, got a lot to share, so we're just going to spin this little dreidel, okay? It's going to be like dreidel, all right? So we're just going to spin. So first spin, we have uh, one of my co-workers. I have dubbed him a Avenger in his own right. Bezrat Tashem, he will continue to come closer to the light. He's working through a lot, a lot of anti-Semitism around him. And no anti-Semitism in him. So blessed be the name of Hashem for that. Because he is like, okay, so he's the ninja guiding character. And I have dubbed him Leviyahu. So Leviyahu, he, uh, he's a beautiful uh, instrumentalist. He plays uh, guitar. And uh, I think he primarily plays bass, but he can do some acoustic stuff. And he just loves music. And he loves teaching. Like... Just uh, not teaching as in like, let me get up front and teach everybody, but like, hey, so I'm reading in this and, you know, and this is kind of what I'm seeing. So kind of like a, a feedback, like little, um, basically we say sugia, like a study partner kind of teaching kind of thing. So I guess not really teaching, more study. But anyway, so been telling him about stuff and he he's the one that came up to me one day and was like hey i'm in uh genesis chapter 22 and i'm seeing this word about um time travel it's like something like that and i said merachok he said yes that one said i was looking at some stuff and there's some gematria that's all connected to that and um i'm like what are you saying right now do you even know he's like yeah i think it's gematria and i was like how do you even know this word? He's like, I don't know. I was just looking for some videos about the, the Temple Mount and came up on this uh, sacrifice of Abraham and Isaac. And they were talking about Merachok and seeing the Messiah's day and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, boy, what's wrong with you coming at me like that? You know, but anyway, so we were talking and we've progressed. So he now has a sword. He has some ninja stars, which are called Shrukin, I think. Uh, sleek eye if I've mispronounced those and uh, he has nunchucks he has smoke bombs all that good stuff so 
Here's what he has sold to me with today, and I just wanted to share it with you. So the prodigal son, you know, Luke chapter 15, also other uh, accounts of the Basora as well. But specifically from Luke 15, I'm keying in on two verse, three verses, uh, starting in Luke 15, 21 uh, through 22. It says, then the son said to him, father, I have sinned against Shemaim. And in your presence, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's celebrate with a chag, a feast. A little earlier in this passage, like at verse 18, it says, I'll get up and go to my father and I'll say to him and the confession that we see in verse 21. He also says this here in this verse, father, I've sinned against Shemaim and in your presence. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. And he got up and went to his own father. But while he was still far away, by the way, Merachok, far away. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that like uh, when it says that Abraham saw the mountain from afar, the father here is seeing the prodigal son from afar. So transcending time and space and stuff, because you realize, right, when you make Teshuvah, that's what happens. You, you pull yourself outside of time and space because you go back before the moment of sin, because now through your teshuva, it's as if you have not sinned, even though there's things that you have to work through and, and, um, and pay the penance for as far as like whatever consequences are there. But as far as that level of, uh, condemnation and things like that, you've now gone before the judge, so to speak. And, oh, and, um, and you have, uh, by favor and by mercy, and by the grace of Hashem overturned that uh, condemnation. So there's this point where you're outside of the confines of reality for a moment. And it's called a moment of teshuva. It's a moment of favor. And so this word Merakok, the father sees the son and it's like, I, I it doesn't matter what go, what's going on right now. That's my son. I'm going to go get him. Because this verse says he saw him from afar, right? Just like Abraham saw the mountain from afar. And it says, and felt compassion. He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Then said the son to him, the son was like, okay, I made up in my mind what I'm going to say. And then I'm going to go. And then I'm going to be like, I'm not a son. You know, just make me a, a hired worker. You know, so there's this whole lowering of self. You're talking about humility on 1100. You're like in competition with the slugs right now. You know, kind of like we are so low. We're we're lower than carpet with like short strands. You know, like we are just there. We're like barely above concrete low, you know. And so the father, before he even gets to see any confession or anything like that, he's already out there running to him. And um, so Levi Yahoo and I were talking that the father was waiting. The father was looking with his eyes to the horizon 
to where when he saw the slightest glimmer of his son approaching, he was ready to go. So if you think about this, when we're going through our things and it's like, why, why stay in sin? Why stay in grief? Why stay in um, like shame? You know, yes, we have done wrong at those times that that we brought this on ourselves. We've created evil. We've created um, persecutors against ourselves, which are, by the way, the negative angels that we uh, produce when we do bad deeds. So when we sin, make averos, um, any kind of transgressions, we create bad angels, evil angels. And um, these are entities that will bring persecution to us. And when we on the flip side, when we do mitzvot, when we do good deeds, uh, we create good angels. So anyway, just so you know, that's a that's actually a teaching, a kosher teaching of Judaism. But anyway, uh, to get back to the point that the father was seeing this and um, like the son coming and he's just like my son, you know, I have to go get him. And so. When the son gets, you know, uh, connected back with the father again, the father hugs him, kiss him, all that kind of stuff. Well, the thing is, the son still goes through his confession. Like, this is what I said I was going to say to my father, and this is what I'm going to do. And that's super shuva, you know, to make up a shomer man term here. But anyway, just want to throw that out. And uh, here's his commentary. He goes, so the Bible is an example of everything God is. First of all, say la. Do you, I mean, do you realize he's saying that the word of God is like the uh, visible image of the invisible? That's basically what he's saying. Anyway, that's written in a letter, you know, just saying. Uh, it says the story of the prodigal son says that his father ran to him. Isn't it interesting we barely start to approach Hashem and then, you know, it's like Hashem is like, nope, I'll make up the difference. There's a, a verse, Yaakov says, draw near to Hashem and he'll draw near to you. Let me go ahead and pull that up right now. Make sure we got that. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yaakov 4.8. Come on. Speaking of Yaakov, if you're looking for some commentary on the letter of Yaakov, there is a Havenger whose name is Zippor Aish. She is the Firebird Havenger. She is actually on Anchor. So look up uh, Havenger uh, Zippor Aish. Let me go ahead and give you the exact way to uh, look up her profile. Uh, she's on my favorites list. If you search for Shoshana with one N in there, aka Zippor, Z I P P O R H E I S H, Chavenger. So Shoshana, aka Zippor H. Chavenger, she's doing a series on Yaakov right now, and it is seriously amazing. Um, you know, pure chaos, vote, day, holiness, uh, you know, Talmud and Midrash and, you know, Torah portion stuff. She's connecting all those dots with what he's writing. So a little devotion, a little beat down, you know, a little, little carjacking going on. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so that's a Yaakov drop. 
All right. So anyway, so it says, you know, the father ran to him. And what I said to Leviahu about this is that this is kind of reminds me of those videos you can watch on YouTube where it's like the father does like the superhero thing where he saves his daughter or his child, you know, or his son, you know, um, if they're like in a, in a like they're about to walk off an edge of something and like fall and really hurt themselves or there's a wild animal coming to chase them and the father like comes swoops in and like takes out the animal or saves the child you know kind of thing and so it's just kind of like this this super quickness where it's just like the before the child even knows they're about to get hurt you know the father already got him you know and it's just like wow so anyway you have to see the videos to really understand what i'm saying unless you understand what i'm saying and have already seen those videos so just put that in the queue with the cat videos um, and keep it to a minimum, I guess. But anyway, so that's what that made me think about because it's like the, the son was like, just so down and out. Like, man, the only thing I can do, the only thing I can think of is Bezrat Hashem, my father will have mercy on me. I mean, I squandered his stuff. I'm his offspring. And I just ran off and was like, give me my inheritance. I'm out. You know, forget about Jewish stuff. Forget about the law. Forget about Torah. Forget about Mashiach. I'm, I'm doing me. I'm going in on my own, you know, and it's just like the father just was like, he'll be back. I, I hope he comes back. I'm going to be here when he gets back. And that's how much faith Hashem has in us. By the way, Torah wellsprings on Parsha Beshalach goes into that. And it's ridiculous. The whole thing about the children of Israel believing in Moshe and believing in Hashem. And they talk about Moshe is the equivalent to uh, Israel. And so really when they're saying they believe in Moshe and believe in Hashem, really it's saying that we believe in Israel and Hashem like that. Israel has amazing value and that Hashem has given us that value and that we should take, uh, you know, confidence in that. And know that we're beloved to Hashem. And there's all, I mean, it, it gets so deep because it's like, you know, the love a father has for his child. Okay, so that's like uh, a snow cone to an iceberg in comparison to how much love Hashem has for his children, i.e. Yisrael. All mankind is like created by Hashem, like everybody comes from Hashem. But only Israel is considered his prized possession. Just want to just say, you know, say lie for the ages on that, because so many people go, yeah, yeah, I can love God and da, 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 da. I don't have to be Jewish. And it's just like because, you know, Israel and Jewish, same thing. Um, and it's just kind of like, well, yeah, but do you want to be kind of like at arm's length or do you want to be like in his bosom? I'm just saying. You know, because only one nation is called a holy nation, a royal priesthood, um, a treasured people, which, by the way, is Segula. The word Segula, it says it cannot be quantifiable even by science. So the Jewish people are beyond any kind of quantifiable rationality. Like we are beyond reality and our dearness and our closeness and our status with Hashem like we're outside of creation which is why the term aim mazel Yisrael there is no mazel for Yisrael like everybody's born under a mazel but Yisrael is above it so anyway 
just a little drop to say, hey, you probably should convert and be a divine spark and get gathered in and stuff. But anyway, um, talk to a Zaken immediately. We have two of them uh, and they're get you sums and they're part of Sar Shalom the P Judaism. Back to Levi Yahoo's comment, though, it says so. <clears throat> MySarShalom.com. Just go there and everything will be so much better for everything in your life. Okay. No matter in no matter in what situation we're in, as soon as we begin to speak to him or look towards him, he is there. Who are we that a king who has all power reigns in majesty, the creator of the universe? I love how he uses Melakolam. He literally says the creator of the universe. That's like a braca. Oh my gosh. Anyway, creator of the universe began to listen and hear our hearts and is full of joy just because he sees us in the horizon. I was just like, boy, you're going to make me tear the whole warehouse up. This is ridiculous. And I said, so because his name is actually Yeshayahu. And uh, I was like, man, that's written in your book. And he was like, what book? I don't got a book. I was like, well, the book that you're, you're named after the prophet Isaiah, you know, and I'm like, so Yeshayahu, right? He go, that's in Yeshayahu? I go, yeah. And I said, I'm going to send this to you. So here's what I sent him. I sent him Yeshayahu 65 two, which says I have stretched out my hands all day to a rebellious people, i.e. prodigals who walk in the way that is not good following their own thoughts. I'm pretty sure the prodigal son, when he left, he was probably rebellious. He probably walked in a way that was not good and he probably followed his own thoughts. But yet his father was like, I'm here, son. Like, where are you going? Why are you leaving me? I'm standing. I'm waiting for you. So then it was just kind of like, well, that's actually in uh, Romans. Uh, send a letter to Rome, chapter 10. So Bezrat Hashem, when I get that podcast um, super speeded, uh, we'll be able to cover this in depth some more. But uh, the Agarit Tyrone podcast, we're still in chapter three because it's been a long time. It's almost been a year and I'm still in chapter three. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, it says in Romans 10, starting in verse 20. And Yeshayahu is so bold to say I was found by those who did not seek me. I became visible to those who did not ask for me. But about Yisrael, he says, all day long, I stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Going into chapter 11, I say then God has not rejected his people, has he? Because many people go, oh, yeah, the old law, the old covenant, the old people. It's now it's Christian. It's now church. You know, it's the church. Now we're the new Israel. Well, here's the thing. Even even the the God that Christianity proclaims, because it's all about Paul says, even Messianic Jews think this. uh, Paul says, you know, so it's like, yeah, but Yeshua said, and I was like, well, yeah, that's that was in the Gospels, though, which technically are part of the Old Testament. You're like, (gasps) what did you just say? And they're like, yeah, that should be codified in the Tanakh. Like, get out of here. And it's like, wow. But anyway, I digress. But Paul, Shaul, the distinguished gentleman, is asking the question, has God rejected his people? What does he say? Chas ve shalom. 
For I am, I too am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. So in other words, if Hashem was done with the Jewish people, Shaul wouldn't even be in his position. He wouldn't even have the mantle he has. He wouldn't even be given the message he's given. Which goes to say, if you think Shaul began Christianity or is a Christian or is teaching people to not be Jewish or is teaching people to not observe the Torah, then you clearly misread Romans 11 1. Because because he's totally just like right there, like God hasn't rejected the Jewish people and I'm an Israelite. I'm with the seed of Abraham, you know, I i.e. a true Jew. And so, you know, here's the message. It's just kind of like, wow. But anyway, so to synthesize all this, the prodigal son is typified in Yisrael, who we've gone through how many exiles and we're in the final exile We've been a prodigal son because that's why we're in exile. The, the, the son, when he left his father, he went into exile. Guess what happens when you're in exile? Exile atones for all sins. So let me see if I can find that. That's a Talmudic drop. But uh, while I'm saying that, while I'm looking for this, uh, I just want to point out that... Uh, May our exile atone for us, Ta'anit 16a. The purpose of exile is to atone for one who kills another completely unintentionally. Um, and then that's Bavakama 32b. And then... Dun, 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 dun. Let's see. Hang on. Apparently I cannot multitask, so stand by. Um, boom, boom, boom. Sanhedrin 37. Exile atones for half a sin. Exile atones for three matters, i.e. three types of death. Uh... Rabbi Yohanan says exile atones for all transgressions and renders a sinner like a new person. You mean like a newborn babe or a new creation or something? Anyway, so that's Sanhedrin 37B. Exile atoning for transgressions. Okay, anyway, so Israel, as we see here, has shown the whole entire world what it's like to be a prodigal son. And again, as we also see in later in uh, Romans 11, is that Israel is going to be brought back after the fullness of the nations are brought in. So the prodigal son will come home. And so this is just a, a small picture of why the whole world is Jewish. It's supposed to be Jewish, first of all, because everybody's supposed to return to Hashem. And there's only one way to return to Hashem. It's actually in Yeshayahu chapter two. And it's also uh, in Amos where he says, how can two walk on the same path? You know, unless they are in agreement, Hashem only has one path. Think about it. How do you walk on that path? You have to be in agreement with him. And when you walk on that path, it returns you to him. So there's all that. Anyway, so prodigal son drop. 
And that was that. Okay, so I got a new book. And before I get to it, I want to share this because a little, a little Shavat drop. This is the 11th month and uh, we're celebrating, you know, uh, Tuba Shavat coming up here really, really quickly. And it is all about how we are like trees. Okay, so men like trees comes from Parsha Shof team. Yeshua, when he healed the blind man, he asked the man, what does he see? He said, I see men walking around like trees. And it's like, whoa, turn it down. So Yeshua redid it and was like, okay, you better? And he's like, yeah, I'm good. I can see now. It's great. And many people think that Yeshua did not heal him appropriately. And it's just like, no, he actually healed him too much. And I find that interesting that this healing that is too much, apparently, that needed to be turned down a little bit. Because you have to think about it. If this guy was walking around seeing men like trees... And Yeshua says, you should know a tree by its fruit. It's like, that's that's a bad tree. Don't don't eat it. It's just like, dude, I was trying to make money here. Why are you talking about me? It's like, I'm sorry. Well, you just I just want people to know so they don't get sick as they listen to your teachings because you got bad fruit popping out, man. Stupid Shabbat. We can't be doing that. We need to have good fruit. Like, what's wrong with you? Get out of here, tree. Make like a tree and leaf, you know? Anyway, so you should have to turn that down a little bit just so that temptation wouldn't be there. Uh, not really that that is the case, but um, that is it within the realm of possibility. Because I mean, you got to think about it. If you could really see behind the proverbial curtain of concealment, I mean, come on. If you knew that going a certain path was going to cut off, cut you off or traffic was going to be bad or there was going to be some kind of tragic accident happen. I mean, would you really still choose that route that you were originally going to choose? I mean, come on, right? Like, not saying that, you know, homeboy was just ready to mistreat people. But you sure had to make sure homeboy could see like a normal person because, I mean, he was formerly blind. And then, like, Yeshua turned up to 11, healed him. And I'm saying 11 on purpose because Shavat is the 11th month. So we're going to we're going to learn about 11. So turned up to 11. You sure was like, let's turn that down a notch. Let's put you in the in this world so you can like see people and, and not see too spiritual. Don't be too heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. So let me let me let me help you out real quick. So anyway, just a little shaman man midrash on that. But uh, so this number 11, this is from the Jewish wisdom and the numbers. Pachina. Page 157, the secession from 10 to 11 resembles the journey from completion to unnecessary excess. Okay, these two numbers beautifully encapsulate the respective diverging worldviews of Yaakov and Asaph. Yaakov declared, yes, I have everything. His search for spirituality meant that he would wholeheartedly use all of his possessions in the service of God. Everything was essential. Nothing was extraneous. This explains why Yaakov risked his life to retrieve several insignificant utensils, which ultimately led to him getting into a fight with Paniel, the face of God. Anyway, says the better Yaakov is depicted as complete in the sense that none of his seed went to waste. Consequently, all of his children were righteous. 
Furthermore, he was described as arriving at a destination whole intact. His perfection was in body, spirit, family, and possessions. Wow, that's a lot to strive to. Thus, Yaakov reached the level of holiness and completion alluded to by the number 10. This sharply contrasts with Asav's outlook. His determination to grab more and more meant a never-ending accumulation of wealth well beyond his essential physical needs. His proud boast, Yesh li Rav, he says, Yesh li Rav, I have much, which by the way, Rav, rearrange those letters to bar, Yesh li bar, which means I have a son. Which is interesting because remember Mashiach is covered in Asav, right? And Mashiach is completely beyond this world, takes us way beyond anything that we could ever know, which is the unlimitedness like that bread and those loaves of fish. I mean, like those loaves of bread. Wow. Five loaves of bread, and two fish. Okay, so like those loaves of bread and the two fish. Or like healing a guy's sight to the point that he saw people that literally look like trees, like literally seeing in a higher level, you know, like the excess. And here we are in the month of Shabbat, which Hashem is like, I'll give you as much as you want. And it's like, well, make sure it's not the Rav, but the bar. Like we want the sun, like you want to raise the bar. So even in Asab's proud boasting, we actually, if we permutate that thing and put it in the right manner, we can actually see that this is this can be used for good, which is why Mashiach in this in this current exile clothed in Asab, there's actually a lot of good that comes out of this because the people who truly find Hashem through all this turmoil of like Oh, yeah. Centuries of church fathers and Catholicism and, you know, centuries of um, inquisitions and Holocaust and, um, you know, persecutions of all kinds. People are still undergoing conversion. People are still grabbing a hold of the Torah and people are still searching out Mashiach and following him in the truest sense. And those people, which, by the way, Bezrat Hashem, that's you listening to this podcast, because especially for us who believe in Mashiach and are Jewish, like believe in Mashiach Yeshua, that is, and we're Jewish. What kind of acceptance do we have right now? We have about the same amount of acceptance as they're accepting Yeshua, which means we're in the same boat as Yeshua. So we should be excited. But anyway, the people who are truly in that in that line and walking this path and in this life, you know, and in it to win it. And we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going backwards. We're only going forward and we're sticking with Mashiach. Like because of this exile, like the truest followers of Hashem are revealed because we're not looking for glory from man. We're looking for glory from Hashem. And first of all, not that Hashem is going to glorify us and we're going to lose our minds, but this, Hey, as long as I'm good with Hashem, then, hey, the other people can can talk to Yeshua. <laughs> I mean, that's that's all we got to say about that, because we're we're Jews and we're going to keep this Torah and we're going to light these candles. So if you got something to say about that, then I'm sorry. You know, I'm just going to keep putting on my keep and my zit zit and I'm going to keep 
you know, a vote of Torah Chesed. I'm going to keep studying the Torah portions. I'm going to keep getting me some. Like, what else do you want from me? I'm turned up to 11. Because why? I don't have much. I have a bar. I have the sun. Anyway, bar, sun. All right. And it's funny because we're raising the bar, like lifting up the sun. That's so punny. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, so, yeah, we're more. Okay, so that's the the whole thing with the numbers. So now let's jump into this this book, this new book I got that I've done. I done said the Shekiyanu over it. Best believe that from Zivi Rosman from the Art Scroll series. I got volume two of the wisdom in the Hebrew months. So excited. Says so the months, the constellations, the letters, the tribes, the message. I just opened to the first time. Uh, it's called Cycle Three, and this is the month of Shavat. Picks up on page ninety-six. So it says that the word, the qualities of Dali. Dali is the word for bucket. So Sefer Yitzira. This is how it starts. This is literally the title page for the month of Shavat. Sheen Vet. Tet, Shavat. I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, so that's a little graphic page here. And it's got little, you know, little statements and phrases. It just says, yeah, so Sefer zero five nine. The muzzle of the month of Shavat is Dali, bucket. And I'm like, wow. Because if you spell Dali backwards, Yod Lamet Dalit is Yelid, which is sun. Okay, anyway, child, if you want to put it that way. And remember our Zohar drop on Yanuka, the child that the sages were being dumbfounded by. And they were like, this child is not human. And the child kept going to his mother and saying, should I talk to them? I don't know, because these people, they need to get their act together. They smell bad. It's like, what do you mean they smell bad? They didn't do Shema this morning. So you got a child judging by smell, dumbfounding the sages and the sages are kissing him like a mezuzah as they leave and come up to him. And then they're also like, he's not human. Like, OK, really? That's in the Zohar? Yeah. Parsha Balak. OK, it truly is a block party. It's called Yanuka. That is the child. Uh, it's a beautiful read. It goes on forever. And he says, my father is a donkey driver. He appears to righteous people like, I mean, come on, man. Anyway. So Dali, it says, which qualities are symbolized by the Dali? The bucket that draws water from a well. What are its attributes and what is its connection to the month of Shabbat? Yeshua says, come and draw water with joy from the well springs of Yeshua. That's the underlying statement for when Yeshua says, if anyone's thirsty, let them come to me. So first thing, uh, it says events during the month of Shavuot says this is when Moshe began clarifying the Torah, the volume one, three uh, and verse five as well. So you, Moshe was speaking in tongues, by the way, which was the 70 known languages as well as Hebrew all at the same time. And he did this. And here it is. It's five weeks of teaching. So 
five weeks of teaching and i think oh yeah and and uh from yesterday's podcast i said it was 37 days so yeah five weeks 37 days all right get you some <laughs> that's a long time to speak in tongues anyway so moshe was clarifying torah and all that uh let's see vessel for drawing water a branch and a popper uh let's see here water shall flow from his buckets and his seed shall be abundant or shall be by abundant waters from bami bar 24 7 by shabbat most of the rains of the year in eretz israel have fallen side note those amounts of rains that have fallen have apparently re now i'm gonna use this term resurrected ancient mikvahs mikvot in israel like mikvot that have been not used and not active for two thousand years they're now back in business because of all the rain that has fallen can we say redemption redemption let's get mikvah real quick all right anyway hashem may you build our mikvah mikvah shaloa may you cause the wellsprings of mashiach yeshua to burst forth over the entire world. Baruch HaBah B'Shem Adonai. Amen. Says, by Shabbat, most of the rains have fallen. Okay. And it says, the water cisterns are full. The wells are overflowing. The buckets draw from the tops of the cistern, not from their depths. As they come out of the cisterns, their water flow, their waters flow over the outer walls. So here's the thing. You ain't even got to go too deep to get you some you can just go ahead and skim across the top of the waters okay just dip your toe in the torah and get you some and it's just going to overflow it's ridiculous it says the water's dripping from its dali the word doll which uh he lifts up the poor from the dust because the word doll is popper so dali can be my popper my poor one hashem says i'm gonna lift him from the dust and by the way, so the waters, this page 99 in the book now, it says dal, the Hebrew word for impoverished, says the waters dripping from its dali causes, cautions us to be concerned over the welfare of the children of the poor because Torah will come forth from them. As it says, water shall flow from its buckets or its impoverished. And there is no water except Torah. As the verse says, ho. Everyone who is thirsty, go to the water, even with no money from Dilo or Dalio, which is from the poor that are among them. So the, the whole thing about the money and everything, that's the whole thing about coming. Everyone who is thirsty, because Torah is going to overflow even from the poor people of us. So if you consider yourself poor in Torah knowledge or poor in mitzvot, poor in prayer, uh, this is the month for you to come to Hashem and cause him to overflow you uh, with water. And it's going to be amazing. So the other thing we have to have subjugation and self-negation. So it says descend to a low place. Similar to the service of a drawing bucket, the more it drops downward, the closer to the source of water. So does it more effectively raise the waters as the Dali enhances its ability to find pure water. It seeks 
by descending deeper, so too the more man subjugates himself to his creator, the closer he is to achieving his ultimate success. Is the his yours or is the his Hashem's? Well, if you're seeking to be close to Hashem, then the answer is going to be yes. Whether it's his success or your success, it can still be his, like yours or like his, like Hashem. Like, cause, cause you'll be one and stuff. Uh, when the Dali is full, the influence overflows. Uh, month of Shabbat, Mazalil Yisrael, the status of an olive tree. Ooh, like an olive tree. Descend for the sake of rising. So let's lower ourselves. Baruch Hashem. So. That is the muzzle. We got the bucket and we got all that goodness. That's the 11. Okay. Let's finish up with Midrash Rabbah on the Parasha. Parasha Bo. Starting here. 17.2. You shall take a bundle of hyssop. All right. So, oi or ezov is the word for hyssop, right? says there are three things or there are things that appear to be lowly yet Hakadosh Baruch Hu commanded us to perform a number of commandments with them okay so remember we just talked about being a poor person right and Hashem is going to cause an overflow from even the poor so now in our Midrash in 17.2 of the parasha on uh, Shemot Rabbah Okay, 17.2, talking about the hyssop that we're supposed to take. It's like, so Hashem is going to take the lowly and we're going to use the lowly and perform numerous mitzvot with them. Footnote says, God's commandments provides many unknown spiritual benefits to the person who performs them. Hence, the fact that hyssop is used in the performance of several Highly significant commandments indicates its spiritual significance. All right. Says, for instance, the lowly hyssop seems like nothing to a person, yet its power is great before God. For he compared it to a cedar in several places. Selah, first of all. And just think about when Yeshua says, have faith of a mustard seed. And remember, faith is not just belief. It's what you do. So even if what you do is a small thing, even if you say, I observed the Shabbat and, and people go, well, yeah, well, I didn't see you at Shul. Like, yeah, but I lit candles. Whoo, snap. Okay. Like just, mm, okay. Like just the mustard seed. I'm just saying. Think about the hyssop, okay? Think about the Dali. Maybe there were other circumstances that complicated doing other stuff on Shabbat, but guess what? The candles got lit, okay? Just think about that, okay? Just, oh, okay, so uh, here's the thing. Torah Wellsprings, again, from Parsha Beshalach, was talking about how we need to see the good in, in other Jews, and that anytime we see bad in other Jews, it comes from the Gentiles. So in other words, if we lord ourselves over another person, didn't Yeshua say, don't the Gentiles lord themselves over each other? That should not be so with you, right? 
So just remember, if you see bad in another Jew, you're lording yourself over them. So what I'm getting at is saying that, you know, hey, let's let's take stock of, you know, before we say, oh, your halakha's off and oh, your observance is terrible and I can't believe you do this and not da 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 da. If you start to get into that mode, just remember I'm being more like a Gentile. And while I'm on the Gentile tangent, uh, another thing the Torah Wellsprings brought down for Parshat Beshalak said that we should make Shuva before Shabbat because um, we don't want to have the status of a Gentile as we enter into Shabbat. Because if a Gentile observes Shabbat, then they're uh, liable to the death penalty. And so another way to be liable to the death penalty is to be full of sin and try to partake of the Shabbat. So what I thought of when I read that, I was like, wait a minute. So us not really thinking about or having a moment of teshuva, which by the way is what the women do when they get in front of those kennels. That's the whole hand thing, bringing it to the face and taking that breath and strike, you know, they strike the match before they do all that. And, you know, there's the big breath of, okay, here we go strike like the candles you know like the whole hand thing i mean this is a a moment like before we enter into the shabbat at least the women get it so guys fellas homeboys homeboys if we haven't been doing this uh we should probably start doing this but before shabbat just just think about teshuva it's built into our Minka service. So like if you're doing Minka, that is it. But I just want to encourage us to go beyond and just be like, you know what? Shabbat's coming. Did I make the Shuba? Do I want to be like a Gentile observing Shabbat? Because I, I feel like whatever, you know, whether high or low. So uh, I just thought that was really crazy. And I just wanted to share it with you because I'm still thinking through it. And I'm obviously just... Wow. Anyway, uh, more 17.2 here. It says, why is the Holy One, blessed be he, Hakadosh Baruch compared to an apple tree? To teach you, just as the apple tree appears to the eye to be without anything, yet it actually possesses, Slika, a pleasant taste and smell in its fruit. So too is Hakadosh Baruch Hu, as it is stated regarding him and his Torah. Wait a minute. Hashem and his Torah, Hashem and his Mashiach. Seriously, is this what we're doing right now? The words of his palate are sweet and he is all delight. And he appeared to the other nations of the world before giving the Torah to Israel and offered them the Torah. But they did not accept or they did not want to accept the Torah for the Torah was in their eyes like something that has no substance to it. Although, in fact, it has a pleasant taste and smell from where do we know the Torah has a taste for it is said taste and see that Hashem is good. Tamu. Yep. Okay, it says Tehillim 34.7, so you know what I'm about to do. 
Telling 34-7. Side note, Hashem seems to have no substance, but yet he does because of his word. And then his word is like taste and see Hashem is good. Anyway, that's just ridiculous. Telling 34 is getting all the love this week. All right, 34-7. Is this 34-7? Okay. He delivered him. No, that's that's not right. Taste and see Hashem is good is not telling 34 Is there a typo up in here? Wow. However, in verse 9, it says, Taste and see that Hashem is good. You know, 7, 9, it's really the same thing. You know, whoever wrote the art scroll, man, uh, 7 and 9, you know, they, they kind of the same. And I'm okay with what you did because you made me study. Thank you. Bless you, oh person of the editor. Because you know what? I tell you what. All this editing that it takes to get a Midrash Rabbah done, are we are we really going to stop and be like, I can't believe you put Tehillim 34-7? Because that's what I'm rebuking myself with right now. After I just got through talking about, don't be thinking bad about Jews and lording yourself like a Gentile. It's like, okay, so before I even make myself sound like that or even get my thoughts in alignment, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, think about this. The Midrash Abah, volumes of information. If you're in Tehillim 34, you can read the whole Tehillim and you'll see, oh, it's just two verse later. It's not like, it's not like they said Tehillim 148 or Tehillim 162 because there's not 162 Tehillim. So anyway, and while I'm on that tangent, when you read the Shabbat table sparks, how many typos do we find? Okay, and if we find any, let's just remember this. <laughs> wow. Personal public rebuke happening right now. Can I just read the verse? Okay. So it says, taste and see a shim is good, right? Okay. Taste is a metaphor for intellectual investigation. I'm reading from the Radak in the Midrash Tehillim, the big green book. So when it says taste and see, it means investigate with your mind. Just as one tastes food to see if it's bitter or sweet, salted or bland, those who investigate will see that God is good to those who trust in him. They will see that fortunate is the person who trusts in him. All right. Um, Tov. Taste that God is good. Use your mind to understand what you can of God. So your devotion is real and intimate. But be sure to see that God is good. Look towards the simple faith you inherited from your ancestors, i.e. the patriarchs, and treasure its consistency and immutability. You realize the patriarchs never saw the fulfillment that this land would be given to them and their descendants before their death, right? I mean, they're still alive now because righteous are more alive in their death and there's a resurrection and stuff. But as far as we're concerned in this realm, in this time spectrum we're in, because that's what it is. I mean, time doesn't exist with Hashem and they're with Hashem. So think about that. Anyway. 
they never saw the promise fulfilled. And it's just kind of like, wow. So their faith was that strong, that deep. Now nah, save a niche my much. All right. So anyway, uh, so yeah, that's a little drop there. 17-2. You shall dip it into the blood that is in the basin. Why did the Holy One, blessed be he, see fit to protect the Israelites by means of blood? It was in order to recall for them the blood of Abraham's circumcision. And it was by means of two bloods, the people of Israel were rescued from Egypt. It was through the blood of the Pesach offering and the blood of the circumcision. It says, I said to you in your blood, or I said to you, through your blood, you shall live. I said to you, through your blood, you shall live. Ezekiel 16, 6. Not that we should have favorite prophets, but he's my favorite prophet. Anyway, the repetition of the last phrase indicating two bloods through which the Israelites were redeemed through the blood of circumcision and the Pesach offering. Uh, so yeah, through the blood of the Pesach offering and through the blood of circumcision. Those are the two bloods. So the blood of the lamb and the blood of your circumcision. So just think about that. Your mark of the covenant and the one who brings you into covenant. Two bloods. It says the doorposts which are under the lintel represent Yitzhak and Yaakov who were just beneath Abraham and greatness. That is crazy. Hashem will pass through. It says Hashem and his angel. This is 17.4 now. It says, uh, <clears throat> let me go ahead and get that footnote. Footnote 45. Where you at? There it is. It says, uh, this is to be understood in light of what is written. And what shall I do when God will rise up? When he meets out judgment, what shall I respond to him? Job 31, 14. Who said this verse? The minister of the world. Literally, Sar Ha'olam. First letters of that phrase, Sar Ha'olam, Sheen, Hey. Put the, to, those two letters together. That's the word Se, which is lamb. And then the last letter of each of those words, Resh and Mem, which is Ram. So you have Se Ram, which is Ram Se, which means the great or the exalted lamb. That is the one who's called the minister of the world. The footnote says this refers to a particular angel who is in charge of all the affairs of the world. Yep. You know what I'm getting at? Memtet. All right. Anyway, so run away, run away. Not really. Uh, see if I can find this real quick. <clears throat> running way out of time but Baruch Hashem <clears throat> grateful for the little time I did get just want to really drop this real quick on the blood uh, this is from Benny B uh, citing Shemot twelve thirteen. he says the question may be asked how can the Passover sacrifice be considered an atonement for sin it is important to note that all of the Corbinot derive their merit from the Akedah. The Corbinot are all facets of a singular diamond, 
and are all or and are interrelated. The Pesach is connected to the red heifer, the sacrifice of the leper, Yom Kippur, and the daily Tamid offerings. Pasikta de Rab Kahana comments. And he does a whole big drop, but this is Pasikta de Rab Kahana Pasika or Pisca 6-4. Okay, so I will see the blood Makilta brings down. This is the Akida, where it says, and when he sees the blood, and they connect it to uh, Bereshit 22-14, where it says, Hashem Yireh, Hashem will see. And then the Midrash Rabbah 56-3 says, And Abraham placed the wood of the burnt offering on Yitzhak, his son, like a man who carries his cross on his shoulder. Sonsino has stake with the footnote, the stake upon which he is to be executed. So, yeah, so the Basora portion for uh, Bo from Yochanan 19 is all about when Mashiach is on the crucifixion stake. And we're talking about blood and water. We're talking about Pesach. We're talking about the blood on the doorpost. All right, let's see if I can do this real quick. Couple more drops. Uh, seventeen five. It says they were sprinkling the blood of the Pesach on their doors, and in turn, God's great name was standing guard at their doors, preventing the destroyer from entering. Zohar Shemot thirty six a teaches that the people spelled out God's name while applying the blood to the lintel. Radal suggests that in stating that his great name was standing at their doors, the Midrash may be alluding to the same notion. It says, uh, and they were occupying themselves with reciting the Hallel, the hymn, the Psalms, by the way, it says to God and with fulfilling the laws of Pesach. And in turn, God was distinguishing between the Israelites and the Egyptians arranging that the shed blood of the impure Egyptians should atone for the blood of the pure Israelites. As it is stated, Hashem redeems the soul of his servants. Um, what were they quoting? Oh, yeah. 3423. Of course. 3423. All right. 3423. Get there, be square, get there, be square. God redeems the soul of his servants. All who take shelter in him are not condemned. Really, no commentary on that. But Baruch Hashem um, uses the word poldei, which is the word about remembering. And um, that's what Hashem did to Sarah in order for her to conceive Yitzhak. Final point is that with all this being said, we're understanding that um, amazing things happen through how we live, how we think, and how we speak. So Baruch Abah B'Shem Adonai. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet Vekaye Olam Natabet Okeinu Baruch Atah Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen